Let's face it, friends. We live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y.com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having it outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members, and you can see who's kind of coming and going. You got that immigrated camera, too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You have keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You got fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking. Got that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight, camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient. It's safe. It's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about with, that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y official.com forward slash video lock. And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy. E-U-F-Y. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the hump day edition of the Yard. Hope things are well with you. We're one day closer to the weekend. One day closer to the weekend means one day closer to the final regular season weekend in college baseball. It seems like this season has absolutely flown by. It's been a great year. It really has been. It is an absolutely wonderful team, having a wonderful year, living up to expectations, chasing some big things, and the regular season's almost over. Our first full season in the New Duty Noble Field, almost over. We'll get back underway on uh, Thursday night as uh, the Bulldogs welcome the South Carolina Gamecocks to town. We will uh, have a three-game set with them and then get ready to head to Hoover. And so a lot at stake for Mississippi State this weekend, as for several other teams around the country and around the SEC. It's uh, it's, time, it's, it's a get-right or get-left weekend. And it's uh, exciting, as I mentioned earlier in the week, the race for the 12th spot in the league might be the most intense race of the weekend because all three of those teams are playing teams that are uh, you know, near the top of the league. 
So Alabama, Kentucky, South Carolina, somebody has got to find a way to get a couple wins and uh, and get to Hoover to extend their season. So we'll get into all that. We'll get into last night's ball game against Memphis. Pardon me, Memphis. That was two weeks ago, a week ago. It, it all runs together after a while. Louisiana Tech, goodness, and we broke that here on the show. We'll get into that. It should have been a trap game. Mississippi State showed the intestinal and testicular fortitude to ensure that it was not a trap game. And, and I'll be honest with you, had Mississippi State come out flat last night, after an emotional weekend, the big road sweep against Ole Miss, if they had come out last night and kind of slept walk through the first part of that ball game, I don't think anybody could have blamed them. We would have hated it. But I don't think anybody could have blamed them. But that's not what happened. Mississippi State comes out, puts together a good couple of innings of pitching, four scoreless innings to open the game. And next thing you know, the ball game essentially has kind of gotten away from Louisiana Tech. And so we'll we'll break down that game. We'll look ahead to South Carolina. Also want to share with you before we get uh, too deep into the show, if you are looking for Stark Villains gear, and you should be, you need to go to StarkVillains.com. You can order your Stark Villains gear there. You can get T-shirts. You can get hoodies. Uh, you get all assortment of uh, items there, different styles, colors. Again, that's StarkVillains.com. It's a local Starkville company. These are Mississippi State people. Uh, they will be partnered with me to kind of help move this shirt venture forward. We sold a bunch of Boneyard shirts and a bunch of Rose Bowl with Ride shirts. This is a bit new. So please go out and support that. The book will be out soon. And I think you can be very, very proud to rep the Stark Villains brand. Again, that's StarkVillains.com. If you're not looking for Stark Villains gear, and you should be, but if you're looking to supplement your Stark Villains wear with some maroon and white merchandising, some uh, maroon and white fashions, outfitting your home, your RV, your pet, whatever, you can find everything you want at Campus Bookmark. And if they don't have it, Stan and Mammoth, Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie, they can get it for you. They'll treat you like family because you are family. Many of you bought your textbooks at Campus Bookmark when you were students here now. It's time to outfit the family. When you're in town, go by and see those fine folks. And if you can't make it to town, or perhaps game day is a difficult shopping day for you, go to campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll save you a little cash. We'll give you promo code BSR. BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that will save you shipping on all orders over $50. And you're going to be buying the gear anyway. Might as well save a little cash. Again, promo code BSR right there at campusbookmart.net. So let's get into last night's game. Brandon Smith with the start last night and uh, did a nice job. If you are a Jeans Page subscriber, you read earlier this week, this Coach Scott Foxhall told me in a one-on-one interview that uh, Brandon's going to be a big innings guy for Mississippi State moving forward. He even kind of teased, you know, it might be this year. I was thinking next year. I was thinking, you know what, maybe – Maybe Brandon Smith works his way into the rotation next year. Maybe he's a middle reliever guy. But I expect him to be a guy that factors prominently in the Mississippi State pitching plans for next year. And Foxhall said, you know, that might happen towards the end of this year. And uh, he was kind of teasing, of course, about this uh, upcoming start. And uh, Smith comes out and does a very nice job for State. We expected it to be a Johnny Holstaff night. It was. Brandon Smith gives you two innings pitch, allows three hits, two of those in the first inning, and then gets out of it with a inning-ending double play. On a ball hit right back to him. He goes to second. We get that at first. We're out of the inning. 
get out of that first inning without any damage. And that's, that's kind of been a rarity in these uh, midweek non-conference games. Yes, Mississippi State 15-0 and in the midweek non-conference and 25-1 and overall in a non-conference this season, an outstanding mark. But every midweek game has been a bit of a struggle. No matter if it's Arkansas, Pine Bluff, Jackson State, we always seem to we find a way to, to kind of spot somebody a league. That didn't happen last night. And then Keegan James comes back, really a nice, solid bounce-back performance for Keegan. You know, last week he uh, didn't retire a hitter and uh, was responsible for, what, seven runs in the first inning against Memphis. And Scott Foxhall told me, Keegan's going to bounce back. Keegan's really, really close. He goes out and gives you three innings last night, does allow four hits and one run, just the one walk, and gets a couple strikeouts. But he looked to be more of what we expected him to be. A lot of competitive pitches, really filling up the zone, really challenging hitters. And it's one of those things, too, when, you, when you're up, when you're up 5 nothing. you know what I'm saying? You're up 5 nothing in the fourth inning. You're midway through the ball game. You know, you need to be challenging hitters, okay? And, and that's what he did. And with two outs in the fifth, he gives up a solo home run to left field. You know what? I'm not even going to trip about that because that's exactly what I want that guy to do. If I were his coach, I'm saying, listen, we got a five-run lead. Don't get out here and nibble. Okay, just go right after these guys. Go attack these guys. And that's exactly what Keegan James did. And sometimes you're going to get beat. Sometimes the guy's going to beat you. And that's what happened. The good thing was is we had not self-inflicted a bunch of damage and walked a bunch of guys. The guy hits a solo home run and, and really kind of blistered the baseball. So you tip your cap there. But the good news is there was nobody else on base. And so now, you know what? It's 5-1. And then we get out of the inning, and we're done. Jack Egan comes in. Some control issues there. And, uh, you know, that's one of the things about Jack. He, Jack has really good stuff. But at times, Jack is a little bit erratic control-wise. He did walk a couple of hitters, uh, did get the one strikeout, did not allow a hit, did not allow a run, uh, was able to get to kind of get out of it. But he, he faced five, five hitters in the inning, uh, and then throws 19 pitches. like to see him be a little bit more efficient there. But uh, he is a good left-handed matchup guy for us. Tyler Spring comes in. Been a while since we've seen Tyler. Tyler comes in, gets two-thirds of an inning, allows just a one hit, does walk somebody. Uh, and then we get on out of there, and we bring in Jared Liebelt. And, and this was the, kind of the Johnny Holstaff approach. Just wanted to get some guys some work. Get up in the bullpen, get them out there for a couple of hitters, and get them to the next guy. Liebelt comes in, gets you two-thirds of an inning, uh, strikeout. The, gets both of the guys out that he faces, 12 pitches, so he, he's good to go for the weekend. Uh, Tristan Barlow comes in, faces a couple of hitters, does give up a run, um, gives up the hit, you know, faces a couple of batters and gets on out of there. But, again, just 10 pitches, he's good for the weekend. Then we bring in Eric Sarantola, and it's been a long time since we've seen Sarantola. This kid's stuff is electric. And to, talking to Foxhall, he kind of joked that he, uh, that he tells Sarantola, he goes, you know, you uh, you always look like a first-rounder in the bullpen. Either you're an MLB first-rounder or you're a hockey first-rounder because, you know, Sarantola was actually drafted in, to, by the, uh, in the minors. But he elected to come play college baseball. But uh, he is a guy, he absolutely blisters the mitt when he's in the bullpen. I mean, it just sounds different coming out of his hand. He's just one of those guys that just has some natural ability. Now it's about just kind of harnessing that. So we get him back out there, and it's been a while since we've seen him. Uh, Allows a couple of hits there, but again, with a big lead there, I want my guy challenging hitters, and that's and that's what he did. You know, we we did end up giving a run there, uh, but 11 pitches there. But it's good to see him back out there, and we bring in Cole for the ninth, and Cole throws a perfect ninth inning. 
getting him going is big for State because there are going to be a lot of relief opportunities. We're going to have to cover a lot of innings in the postseason. And you begin to think about manage it weekend and weekend. You know, when we get through this weekend, we got South Carolina, and then we're going to go to Hoover. And so next week, the pitching staff's going to kind of be taxed. And so it's good to get all these guys a little bit of work, kind of get them ready, knock the rust off a little bit, because they're going to have to pitch next weekend at Hoover. And a lot of Mississippi State fans are, are probably feeling like I am. It's let, let's go take care of business this weekend. Let's go take all three and kind of remove all doubt about where we stand in the national landscape. Go ahead and knock, knock that out. End up with a 46-10 and 10 record, 21 wins in the league, right? And then whatever happens at Hoover is irrelevant as far as we're concerned. But you'd like to be able to get some guys, you know. If we can pick up a win or two along the way, that's great too. But the main thing is to get your pitching set for the next weekend. Because really, Hoover, like last year, we needed to get to Hoover to give ourselves a chance. And then we were just hoping to win a game or two over there. But we we felt like if we could get to Hoover, we could get into the regionals. And then, of course, we did. This year, we're we're playing with a different deck. Okay, we're not just hoping to get in. We're playing to win it all. So when we get into that regional weekend, and listen – even if we lost, even if we got swept this weekend and bounced in the first round at Hoover, we're going to host a regional. We're trying to position ourselves to ensure that once we survive that regional, that we would have the super regional here in Starkville, which is what should happen based on the quality of our play and the commitment of our administration to this baseball program. We should be able to host a regional and a super regional. My hope is that becomes the norm once again. And there's so many people that say, well, it's about money. Now, if it was about money, Mississippi State would host every year. State, and Ole Miss, LSU, all three of them would host every single year because we're going to pack the fans in, right? In that respect, I wish it really was more about money because nobody's going to be able to sell more tickets than us. But be that as it may, I've seen the projections out there, and, and you know, there's so much of that outside of the one seeds and the two seeds you don't really know. It's it's difficult to know because there's all this geographic pods and all that kind of stuff, and they they work through all that. But we really want to be able to have that regional here. And so when you think about this pitching staff, where you are right now, because if you hit a loser's bracket, you're going to have to win, you know, you're going to have to win multiple games out of the bracket to win the regional. And so you feel like you're pretty good. You know, with Small, Ginn, and Plumley, But at some point, you may have to come back and, and piece some things together to win a game out of the loser's bracket. You want to avoid the loser's bracket at all costs. But uh, in the event that you get down there, you've got to have the pitching to bring you back out. And I think last night kind of showed Mississippi State has the depth to kind of manage a game like that and find a way to come out of the bracket. And that's really what that's about, getting those guys prepared for when we absolutely have to have them. So when their number's called, they're good to go. And then you get into a super regional weekend, and it's just like a regular SEC weekend, except you're just trying to go win a couple and get out of there. That's the sweep. You win two, you're done. But we have wondered for many years, you know, hey, is this the year? You know, for those of you that were around back in 89, this is kind of how that felt. And what I mean by that is, is that we felt that we could win the ball game every time out. We never came out and said, well, you know, that, we're probably not going to win that one. Nobody feels that way about the team. So the expectations are there, but more importantly, the production is there. 
the production is there up and down the order. And that's one of the things that I think last night is a great representation of. Jake Mangum is our guy. Jake goes 0 for 5 last night. 0 for 5 with a strikeout. Not not his uh, best night for sure. Jordan Westberg has struggled a little bit as of late. Gets a couple of hits for you last night. Hit a, hit a, a couple balls well. You know, I think he's seeing the baseball just a little bit better. No strikeout last night. Tanner Allen, he was the hero, right, against Ole Miss. 11 hit uh, week last week, 0 for 4 last night. Justin Foscue hitting in the cleanup spot in Elijah McNamee's spot. 3 for 4. 3 for 4, guys. Scores a couple runs. Rowdy Jordan has bumped up a spot. He's 2 for 3 on the night. Gets a couple of RBIs. Dustin Skelton, 1 for 4, hitting as a DH. Luke Hancock was the catcher last night. I'm really excited about him. Really, really excited about him. He's 2 for 3 last night with an RBI. Brad Combust was your DH. Ended up making a change uh, late there, but he uh, you know, he, he played right field in, in uh, Elijah Magnamy's spot. Moved some guys around you know, later in the ball game. Gives some guys an opportunity to play. Marshall Gilbert, 2 for 4 last night. And he had a very productive weekend. That's one of the things you begin to look at, too, is you begin to think, okay, if we're going to start getting some production at the bottom third of that order, we're going to be awfully difficult to beat. Marshall has had some uh, challenges at times defensively over there at third. I mean, we're asking him to do something that he wasn't recruited to do. But to keep his bat in the lineup and to kind of shore up some things defensively, that's where he is. He mentioned last night in the postgame that he is so used to kind of barreling things up and, and taking the ball off his chest being a catcher. Sometimes he does that at third. No uh, no chest protector involved. He just kind of barrel, you know, chests that ball down and throws it over to first. He's a tough kid. But it's kind of reminiscent of that 2016 season where we had Gavin Collins over there, another converted catcher. We wanted to find a way to get keep his bat in order, but we had to find somebody to play third. It was a bit of an adventure most of the year with Gavin. And then when we got later in the year, Gavin kind of figured it all out. He was never going to be a plus defender at third base. But he did a really good job for us. This is very reminiscent of that. But one of the things that I, I really compared us to the 89 team, we, we talk about you know the wins and all that kind of stuff because the 89 team is the only team that's won more regular season games than this one, is there just simply weren't a lot of empty at-bats in that order. And we kind of see that last night when you got you know Jake Mangum and Tanner Allen, your two hottest hitters of the, over the last week, both went over last night. Your regular clinic, Peter Elijah Magnamy, is now uh, on crutches and a cast. And let's talk about that a little bit because I did a question Chris Lamonis about that in the postgame. Lamonis said on the Dogs Talk show that he would be out two weeks, and they have him in a cast to kind of immobilize things to promote the healing process. Now, they fully expect to have him back in two weeks. And listen, it's one of those things, it's almost like the JT Ginn thing all over again, you know. And what I mean by that is, is there are a lot of people that will go get on these message boards and get on social media, and they'll say, well, I, you know, I've heard that, you know, you know, he's out the rest of the season. Well, that's that's not true. That's not true. You know, when JT again missed the start, people were thinking, oh, well, it's, everybody has a source, right? Well, I talked to a guy close to the team, and they said that uh, he's going to have to have Tommy John surgery. And then he comes out and pitches the next day. He, only, he didn't go very long, but he pitched. And, you know, now he's back to normal, being very productive for Mississippi State. And there's, so there's some of the same comments are going around this time. Uh, we need Elijah Magnamy to be in this lineup. Elijah is one of our biggest leaders and one of our emotional leaders on the team. Also a very productive baseball player. 
if Elijah Magnamy thought that the uh, the surgical procedure would end his season, I suspect he would have tried to play through it. He is a senior. He is a ball player. He is a leader. I don't think he would have agreed to do that if he knew it was going to be season-ending surgery. I just I don't think that's the case. Well, what happened with him? He tweaked the foot, and I believe it was at Arkansas. Because we come back and we play Ole Miss and uh, Pearl, and he DH'd and Cumbus played in right field. He has kind of battled through that ever since then, and then when he pushed off first base, you know, chasing that double against Ole Miss on Sunday, he re-aggravated the injury, so they go ahead and make the decision to go ahead and have the procedure to put that screw in there to uh, to kind of mobilize things. And uh, so that's kind of where we are. But uh, he expects to come back to play. Lamontis expects him to come back to play. But here's the deal. The good thing is, with this lineup, if you do have a guy that has to be on the shelf for a little while, that doesn't, you know, sideline your season. That doesn't put you in the ditch. And as we saw last night, you know, Cumbus played a really good uh, athletic right field out there for us. And, and he's still a freshman. I'll tell you, one of the things that I hear privately is that the Major League Baseball scouts love Brad Cumbus. They think that, you know, he's just kind of scratching the, the surface on his potential as a player. We know what Josh Hadrick can do. Josh played out there on Sunday, did a great job against Ole Miss. And so you could even put Gunnar Halter out there. I mean, you've got some options in right field. And so it's just kind of a matter of figuring this thing out. There, are, Trust me, there are some guys on the bench that are chomping at the bit to get up there and swing again. They can't wait to play again. And that just kind of shows the depth of our of our recruiting efforts. It's the fact that, you know, that you can lose a guy like Elijah Magnum, even for even if it's for a couple of weeks. And you, you don't have to kind of take a step back offensively. Uh, kind of running through the numbers last night, you know, we mentioned getting production on the bottom third of the order. In the second inning, Marshall Gilbert hits an absolute bomb to right field. Off the bat, it looked like trouble, and the right fielder found the fence, and then we were all kind of admiring it from there. You go up 2 nothing, and then Rowdy Jordan comes up and uh, laces one just inside of third there uh, for a double to drive and a couple runs. Uh, Foskey and Allen both score there, make it 4 nothing, And it, you just felt right then and there. It felt like the game really settled for Mississippi State. You know, you were getting good pitching, and all of a sudden you're putting some runs up. And listen, this left-handed guy is a former weekend guy of theirs, uh, Logan Robbins at Louisiana Tech. They kind of worked him back towards uh, midweek, and he's the guy that beat LSU last week. And so I think in many respects, because of the success that Tech had against LSU last week, State took this game very, very seriously. We saw Jake Mangum this morning and said, hey, man, big win last night. He goes, you know what, they're all big. And he's absolutely correct. But they're even bigger this time of year because that was the classic trap game. And you want to talk about classic trap games? And, and we'll get into some of this a little bit later. Look at what happened to Ole Miss at Arkansas State last night. And, I, and I'm not saying that to throw shade at them, even though I think that that's deserved. But you get that emotional loss on Sunday, and you get swept at home, and then you're looking at, okay, we, we're going to have to go to Tennessee this weekend and win that series to, to have a chance to host – and then you go on the road and you lose to Arkansas State. Classic trap game. And I think it says a lot about Mississippi State's leadership piece that they could come out not only win the ball game, but really jump on tech early from an offensive and a defensive standpoint and kind of go ahead and put that thing away. Because it never felt, it never felt like State wasn't in control of the ball game. Even when it was scoreless, 
you just kind of felt like that things were going to be okay. When Brandon Smith turns a double play to get out of the first inning, you just kind of felt like, okay, we're going to be okay. Uh, I mentioned earlier about Keegan James giving up the home run, you know, to Taylor Young. And listen, it, it was a full count. He challenges the guy. The guy hits a home run. You tip your cap, move on to the next hitter. State answers right back in the bottom of five. You give up one, we're going to take two. Luke Hancock with an RBI. Uh, uh, Gilbert, again, with an RBI. The base is loaded there. gets an infield hit. We, we had a chance right there to really blow the game open. We didn't. That, that's when uh, when Jake had the strikeout there. But uh, – 7-1 ball game after five, and then we just kind of managed it down the stretch. And uh, Tech, you know, put on a couple runs uh, late in the ball game in the eighth inning there. But it just, you know, it was one of those nights we had hoped to get a lot of work for a lot of pitchers, and we were able to do that. And that really kind of sets you up pretty well for next week. So I would not trade where Mississippi State is uh, with anybody else in the country. There's nobody I look at right now and say, okay, you know, I, I'll trade my team for yours because I believe Mississippi State number one is playing its best baseball of the year. But there is just such a uh, a determination and a grit with this group that makes you feel really good about where things stand. And uh, you know, talked to Justin Foskey a little bit after the ball game last night that these guys expect to win these ball games. But I don't think they're looking at, at this South Carolina series and thinking, okay, we just got to show up. I don't think they feel that way at all. They know that South Carolina is playing for their postseason lives. So they, the, South Carolina understands if they get swept this weekend, the season ends in Starkville. It's as simple as that. If they can find a way to scratch out a win, maybe two, then they get into Hoover next week, and then you never know. I mean, it's one of those things, you know, where we know the finality of things this weekend if we don't play well. But we know that if we can find a way to sneak into Hoover, we live to play another day. That's a proud program over there. They're not going to lay down for Mississippi State. And I think Foskey and those guys get it. They understand. South Carolina's not going to come in here and lay down. And I think the fact that South Carolina has something to play for keeps Mississippi State's attention. Not that State's overlooked anybody. I don't, I don't know if you can with a guy like Jake Mangum on your team. We got ready to go play Sanford on the road, and Jake Mangum is in the dugout telling everybody, hey, guys, this is the kind of game that will wreck your season. This, this is the kind of game that can make and break your season. We're on the road at Samford, guys. Samford. Now, yes, they beat us in a regional here in 2012, but my point being is that that just shows you the supreme focus that number 15 has. And he is the guy that everybody on that team kind of looks to to see how to act. If he's being cavalier, they're going to relax. But he is such an intense competitor that he's over there in Birmingham telling everybody, hey, we lose a ball game like this, it could cost us a national seed. You know, I mean, that, that's it just goes to show you Every single game matters to these guys, and that's one of the reasons that they're 25 and one in non-conference, and they've won 15 and 0 in in midweek is because they don't take anybody lightly. That's the mark of a championship team. And the questions come up: Is well, have we ever done this before? Well, we did it in 2013. That team went to Omaha. I don't know if you if you if you had forgotten that we went to Omaha 2013. It was a great team too. But if I had to pick between the two. And, and all due respect to Wes Ray and, and Hunter Renfro and, and, and uh, Adam Frazier, but I'm going to pick this one. I'm going to pick this team because I think we're a little bit better offensively down in the bottom third. I think we've got an opportunity to really hurt people. And I think pitching-wise, we're a better team. I, I, what, what Butch did with that group is miraculous, but I think this group's a little more talented. All due respect, I love every diamond dog we've ever had. Love them all. But I think this team 
as close as the 2013 team came, the 2013 team, I really felt like, you know, that was back in the, you know, the dead bats and the, the bad ball era. And we had a real chance to go win an AFL championship against UCLA. We blew it. Thank those guys for the memories. The best finish in school history. We had a team last year that really didn't have any business being in Omaha. But we found a sense of ourselves when we get to Omaha, and then we get down to the end, and we had a bad ending or two against Oregon State. It cost us a chance to play again for a national championship. But I believe that experience has made us more prepared this year. I fully believe Mississippi State can get to Omaha and win the national championship this year. Not going to be easy. I'm not claiming an national championship right now, but I believe this team is capable. You can make the argument that the 2016 team or the 89 teams are the best two teams we ever had that make it to Omaha. You could make that claim. But I believe this team is capable of getting there and finishing the deal. I'll probably never get over the 2016 year. Coastal Carolina wins a national championship. Coastal Carolina beats Arizona, the team that knocked us out. Ryan Rigby had been absolute money for us all year and elevates one, and and then the ball just simply meets the bat, and they win the game. As simple as that. Bobby Dahlbeck was a stud. But the bottom line is this. We were the better team. They were better that weekend, and they lost in the national championship final. That should have been our place. And I think these guys here can kind of learn from the guys that went before them because you've got some guys that have been fans of Mississippi State baseball for a while. It's not just, hey, Mississippi State's recruiting me. Let's go be a Bulldog. These are guys that get it. They understand there's a legacy here. This team's capable of going and doing that. Listen, guys, I was at Bulldog Burger Company. I told you I was going to go on Monday night, and I did. And I, I, I had something brand new, something I've never had. I was going to have the Lauren. I didn't have the Lauren. I'm going to have that next time. There we go. I saw something that I I, it, I I didn't know that it was on the menu. I had seen it on Instagram, and I'd forgotten about it. And that's the Sloppy Joe Sliders. Are you, are you kidding me? It's an incredible delicacy. So I'm going to encourage you when you're going. And, you know, maybe you don't want to eat real big. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, listen, if you, want, if you want to go satisfy your hamburger craving, you can do that with a great restaurant-quality hamburger right there at Bulldog Burger Company. But if you want, like if you're having a cheat day, you're just thinking, you know what, I want to go have a great meal. Go have the Sloppy Joe Slider. I, I'm telling you, it's, you know, our kids are kind of finicky. They, they weren't big on Sloppy Joes when I was a kid. That was a treat in our house, man. If we ever had Sloppy Joes, it was almost like, you know, you know going, going out to eat. Now you can go out to eat and you can have that. And they're served on the little Hawaiian buns, you know what I'm talking about? The ones that are such the hit, you know, at family reunions, that kind of stuff. You put those Hawaiian buns out there, the first one's gone. That's what it's served on. Go buy, have it, check it out for yourself. Go find your own favorites. Bulldog Burger Company, the place in Stark where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. So let's look ahead here to, to uh, well, before we do that, before we look ahead to South Carolina, let's take a look at what happened last night around our league. So Tennessee Tech really gave Tennessee a little bit of trouble last night. A 15-10 ball game. Tennessee wins the ball game 15-10. Tennessee, of course, will, uh, will host Ole Miss this weekend. And a huge series for both. I, I would venture to say whoever wins that series might even host. And whoever loses that series might be in big trouble. And we talk about the, uh, the Ole Miss RPI and that sort of stuff. You know, Ole, if Ole Miss gets swept this weekend, I don't think they will because I really, I really like Nikhazy. I think Nikhazy is a really good, difficult matchup for anybody. I think they'll have a chance to win that middle game. 
But Garrett Stallings is going to pitch. You're going to have Graham Crochet pitch for Tennessee. They've got elite pitching. And with all those left-handed sticks in the order, I don't know what Ole Miss is going to do. But that's going to be an interesting series. But you could see a situation there where Ole Miss uh, has lost four in a row now. And so that they're going to go in there looking to win. And Tennessee, you know, Tennessee could be out of the deal too. So if they if Ole Miss goes up there and takes care of Tennessee, Tennessee could, could – there is no NIT in baseball. But they could be out of the deal completely. So you got two teams kind of playing, you know, playing for their NCAA tournament lives. Uh, Kentucky with a big win last night over Michigan. It's a really interesting non-conference matchup late in the year uh, to have that game. So Kentucky wins that thing seven to four. Uh, Kentucky trying to play their way in. They're locked in there with Alabama and um, and South Carolina for that last spot. Currently tied at seven and twenty in the league for twelfth place. That thing's gonna be it's gonna be a wild ride. I'm telling you, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a great weekend of scoreboard watch. I mean, it really is. And we're gonna have all the latest updates on Gene's page. You can come by and check it out. We'll kind of let you know where things stand. Speaking of Alabama, they come from behind to knock off Sanford four to two. Alabama, you know, it's one of those things you look at them and you begin to think about the resources that are available in Alabama, and you think, okay, well, why would Alabama ever not be elite? And uh, they have not been elite for a long, long time. But they made the commitment to baseball. They, they you know, refurbished the stadium. But uh, they are simply not where they need to be as a baseball program. And Sanford, who beat Auburn earlier this year, nearly pulls that thing off. You know, we, we might see Sanford down the road in a regional. Uh, Mississippi State's weekend opponent, South Carolina, walks off South Carolina Upstate one nothing in the ninth. Uh, it was a unbelievably bad game offensively. <laughs> Uh, throughout the ball game, I kept watching that score, waiting for something to happen. And um, the bottom line is they uh, they found a way to win the game. Josh Beeman, uh, with an RBI single to left, uh, wins the ball game. The final home game of the year for South Carolina. Freshman, Jonah Beeman, single to left. It's it's just wild to think that that, that ball game is even competitive. And, and, and really kind of a microcosm of how the season has gone for South Carolina. They've had a lot of injuries. From what I understand from the research, they're down seven players they expected to contribute. But, you know, and here's the thing, Gamecock fans, you know, nobody felt sorry for Mississippi State two years ago. Nobody felt sorry for State when we had all those pitching injuries and all those guys on the shelf for Tommy John surgery. And we still found a way to get to Super Regional. So, you know, while we are somewhat sympathetic to your cause, we're not going to feel sorry for you because we've been there. Auburn comes from behind and wins in 11 8-7 over North Alabama. What is going on in Florence, Alabama, man? I mean, listen, this is a team just beginning to play Division One baseball. And uh, they knock off Ole Miss. They've given Alabama and Auburn both fits. This is uh, this is something to really watch. I mean, really, really it is. LSU comes from behind and knocks off UNO. And there was a time, as uh, our good friend Brian Haydad mentioned, it was a time when losing to the privateers wouldn't have been a big deal. It is a big deal now. LSU rallies. That LSU team is not a good baseball team. It's not a good baseball team. And it's one of those things I look back, and, and I, it, is, it is one of the stains on the Bulldog baseball season is that we lost that series to LSU. There's a part of me I would love to play them in the SEC tournament. But then there's the there's the, the fan in me, I think, man, I sure don't want to lose those guys again. But I'd love to be able to play and, and get some revenge against those guys just to kind of give us – to kind of get that monkey off the back. But um, be that as it may, they win last night. Vanderbilt not takes care of middle 5-2 last night. Vandy, a lot of people think, is the best team in the country. I don't I don't know if I'm ready to go that far yet. I want to see what they do away from Nashville. Uh, 
they go win this thing in Hoover this week, I'll be really impressed. I'm not saying they're not capable, but the uh, the SEC tournament this year, it's there's always so much to play for. But there are a lot of teams in the middle of the pack that can play their way into hosting, and there are some guys on the back end that are trying to play their way into the tournament. And uh, that may be the case every year, but it just seems there's so much more parity in the league this year. So it's going to be a real grinder for whoever wins it. Uh, Ole Miss walked off uh, in the ninth. Arkansas State, under the direction of former Diamond Dog first baseman Tommy Raffo. Ole Miss uh, enters the ninth 5-2 and two and uh, bring in Parker Caracy. And the next thing you know, they're having to go get the ball from Caracy. And then Arkansas State lines a, uh, a base hit up the middle, scores two runs, throw home is high, they, and it's, it's pandemonium in Jonesboro. Howell, yeah. Howell, yeah. So, uh, big win for Arkansas State. And I mentioned, you know, the whole Ole Miss factor. You lose the three against State at home, then you lose that one. Mike Bianco has his work cut out for him getting this team up to play this weekend. And while Tennessee is not a huge crowd, there will, there will, it will be a partisan group. They will have some people there. Because they feel it. They're, they're, they're trying to play their way into the dance, okay? And so they have a hardcore group of fans. They don't have a huge baseball fan base like you do here at State or Ole Miss. But that's not going to be an easy place for Ole Miss to go win. And now, one of the things that I have said all year long about this Ole Miss team is they're very resilient. Just when you think they're dead and buried, they find a way to rise from the ashes. So I won't be surprised if they go up there and win that series. And, it, and it'll be a big win because Tennessee will be at home with elite pitching playing for because their RPI the last time I looked was like 10 and so they're they're going to be playing for the chance to get in and possibly host a regional um, probably need to you know to probably sweep but it, to uh, to host a regional but be the first time in a long time they've been in an NCAA tournament and so they're getting a vulnerable Ole Miss team that has kind of has has had their psyche rocked a little bit so that's going to be interesting so let's get into uh, what Mississippi State will see this weekend South Carolina, a team that has been up and down all year. We mentioned the injuries. Uh, that's life and times in college baseball. 27-25 and 25 overall, 7-20 and 20 in the league. They've uh, just won the one game. 18-15 and 15 at home, 6-9 and nine on the road. And, of course, those you know, away games are always going to be league games. But th- this is a team with some talent. This is a proud team. They lead the SEC in home runs. I don't know if you knew that. They do. They can mash. And Dirty Noble Field has played a little bit smaller this year, you know, so you can't get out there and get loose and fast with things. One of the things that's interesting, probably their biggest uh, road series win was uh, at Clemson. Uh, pardon me. They, they played two games. They played the Friday-Saturday game at Clemson, and they play the final game that Sunday at uh, Founders Park there in South Carolina. Well, they win that series two out of three. They split the two games. Pardon me. They played one game at Clemson, one game at Greenville, and the one game at Founders Park. So one on the road, one neutral, and one at home. They win the three-game series, two out of three. Then, you know, they, then they get in there and they, play, they get swept by Georgia at South Carolina. And that's when people kind of felt like Georgia was for real. Everybody knew Georgia had power arms. But to go up and, and win in Columbia, and this South Carolina team wasn't expected to contend, but we, we knew we felt like they'd be an NCAA tournament team. The next weekend, they go on the road to Tennessee, and they drop two out of three. They win the Saturday game 3-2. They got beat Friday night 15-5. to 
Then they uh, they host Auburn. Auburn takes two of three. They win the Saturday game again for nothing. Something about the Saturday game, right? They uh, they then go on the road to Alabama and lose two out of three. They actually lose the Saturday. Pardon me. They win the Saturday game because they, they played a doubleheader on Friday. They lose the Saturday game. Probably they win the Saturday game five four in twelve innings. Seem to be a current theme on these Saturdays. Uh, they get in. Then they go on the road to Gainesville. They lose two out of three. In Florida, they do drop the Saturday game. They host A&M, lose two out of three. They go to Missouri and get swept. They host Vanderbilt, get swept. And then they take two out of three from Kentucky. So you kind of see they have been up and down, but it's been more down than up. And so they're going to have an opportunity this weekend to come in here and still kind of play their way in. Eager to see these Mississippi State crowds this weekend. And, and I'll be honest with you, if I'm, if I'm being honest with you, and uh, if I can't be honest with you guys, who can I be honest with? I have been a little bit disappointed in our crowds this year. I, I really have been. You know, we've had a couple of weekends. It's been really great. But we've had some time. We'd have, you know, we'd have women's college basketball. We had the Final Four. Listen, there's nothing going on this weekend, okay? There's nothing going on this weekend except for college baseball. And uh, we've had some good crowds. We haven't had that magical crowd. Now, I'm sure when the regionals are here, that, that'll be different. But this weekend, this is senior day, and uh, we got a special group of seniors. we got some kids that have overcome some adversity that are going to be honored this weekend. A guy by the name of Jake Mangum being one of them. Cole Gordon, Peyton Plumley. you got some seniors some guys that didn't have to come back, that did come back for this year to, to have a magical run in hopes of going to win a national championship. Those guys are worthy of your attendance. They're worthy of your admiration. They're worthy of your applause. And so my hope is we can come out here this weekend and let's have some huge crowds. I know a lot of private schools around the state of Mississippi, this is your last week of school, right? Let's pack the car. Let's get to Stark Vegas. Public schools, if I'm not mistaken, we got six days of school left. But you're not taking finals this weekend, right? And so let's pack the car. Let's get to Starkville. And, you know, next weekend we get a week off, right, because we're going to be in Hoover. The next weekend we're all going to be here for the regionals. But this weekend is this weekend. One of the things that I think is amazing is these young kids get out there on the berms and they interact with our players and the opposing team's players. And I saw some guys from Tech give some baseballs to some of our young kids yesterday on the berm, and I thought, you know what, this is what college baseball is all about. That little kid that got that baseball, you know, uh, he'll never forget Louisiana Tech. He'll never forget that kid that gave him the baseball. be a big deal to him. A lot of us have been on the other end of that as kids. Your kids want to be here at the ball game. And I know, I know sometimes we come for the party, and it just happens to be a baseball game. But, you know, when you pack the car and you bring your family, uh, the real party is the one going and coming from the ball game with your kids. Right? Talking about, you know, how, listen, Dad, I want to get my picture made with Jake Mangum. And then you get the picture after the ball game, right? Or I want to meet Elijah Magnamy, and you get to meet him, and then you, then you have a picture of him smiling with that cheesy tooth grin forever. Those are the things that last a lifetime. And so, again, I encourage you to pack the car. Uh, that's one of the things that I have never regretted in life is packing the car and taking my children anywhere. I have never, ever, 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 ever regretted that. There's some trips back from Disney World. If you would ask me at the time, uh, right when we get on the Florida Turnpike, how I felt at that moment, I might have told you something differently. 
but I'll never regret the places I've took my children, ever, ever. And my hope is they look at our life and say, you know what, our life was made better by the time that my the, the time that my mom and dad invested in me going and doing things as a family. So let's look at our opponent this weekend. South Carolina does not have a single hitter, and their regulars hitting above 300. As a matter of fact, the leading hitter, T.J. Hopkins, hitting just 290. 290. Not a great offensive team. Even if you get deeper into the uh, into the the roster, they don't even have like a guy with limited at bats hitting over 300. So 290. T.J. Hopkins, your leading hitter. Uh, then you got Andrew Eister at 287, and he's missed some time this year. Uh, but you know, it's it's one of these. It's kind of like an A and M offense without a lot of the um, a lot a lot of the speed. They do hit some big numbers though. That's one of the things that's really gaudy about this group. They do have a lot of extra base hits. Hopkins with 11 home runs. Luke Berryhill 11 home runs. Jacob Olson 13 home runs. Seems like he's been there forever and a day. Andrew Eister with eight home runs. Noah Campbell with six. Brady Allen with seven. Chris Cullen with five. So up and down their order, uh, they're hitting the baseball. Not hitting for average, but, man, when they do when they do hit, hit it and connect, they're scoring some runs. And so they're going to be free swingers, and uh, I, I think that's that's great for the Mississippi State pitching staff. But the bottom line is you got to go out there and manage the expectation and manage the emotions of the moment and find a way – to get these guys out, get them a chase a little bit. And I think, you know, with with the maturity of this staff and the maturity of this roster, they understand what's at stake here. They will approach South Carolina just like it is a national championship-type series. We, we will not overlook South Carolina. No, no, We'll go challenge some hitters, but at the same time, we're not going to take anything for granted. They, we will come out and play well. Of this, I am certain, especially when you begin to think about what's at stake, but also, too, that this is the final guaranteed weekend at Duty Noble Field. I remember last year, after we swept Florida, having a chance to speak with Jake Mangum following the ball game, kind of away from everybody else, and I asked Jake, okay, well, you know, well, what's next? And he looked at me, and he almost got emotional. He goes, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know. And, and it's one of those things you look at and you realize, I, I could tell then he really wanted to come back. But the Major League Draft might have put him in a situation where he had to go. And he had a number in mind. They didn't hit that, so he elected to come back. But the bottom line is he is back. He's got a chance to be only the uh, the first Bulldog in Mississippi State history to have over 100 hits. He's got a chance to, to take down a school record in hits in a single season. He already has the career mark. But he came back, not just for himself, but for all of us. And so he'll be here this weekend and need to be here to be a part of that. And uh, because of that leadership piece, I know – that uh, we will we'll be ready to take care of business. South Carolina is going to have to bring their best effort, and I, I suspect they will. Mississippi State's magic number to clinch a spot in the top four in the Southeastern Conference, which gives us a bye in the first round at Hoover, is one. We need a win of one win over South Carolina or a LSU loss. I suspect that we'll get multiple of each. State right now, if the chalk holds, would be the number three seed in the SEC tournament. And I think that puts you ahead of Georgia in the pecking order, continues to put you ahead in that national picture. State should sweep this weekend. Can't guarantee it, but they should. If you sweep this weekend, again, I think you make Hoover absolutely irrelevant. 
I don't think there's anything you can do in Hoover to hurt your standing as a national seat, no matter what happens. I don't think there's any question. Looking at these South Carolina numbers, again, getting down to some pitching stuff. Uh, they have had some uh, some big recruiting classes over the years. They really have, pitching-wise. But uh, it hasn't really shown up this year. So just looking at some SEC numbers here, uh, the usual suspects, Brett Carey, Reed Morgan, and uh, Cam Tringali will pitch. Not a lot of SEC wins to feel good about. You know, um, you know, Brett Carey in the SEC is 1-1. One one. Reed Morgan's 2-5. and five. Uh, Tringali is 2-3 and three in the league. Just not a lot of success, and some of that is about run production. You know, some some of that is is not just, you know, where a pitcher hadn't done a good job. Sometimes they pitch well enough to win, and just simply hadn't hadn't been able to uh, to score enough runs to win a ball game. Uh, but you know, overall, Brett Carey is three and one with a two point six zero ERA, like strikeout to walk ratio by six to one. Only allowed fifteen earned runs on the year. Uh, Thirty eight hits and fifteen innings pitched. Also has seven saves. He's, he's the guy that's uh, moved around for him. Reed Morgan, 3.79 ERA and 4-5 and record. Uh, 13 starts on a year. Uh, 80, 80, 80 and two-thirds of an innings pitched. Uh, 66 Ks to 17 walks. Uh, Cam Tringali, 4.22 ERA, 2.3 uh, win-loss record this year. 26 appearances, just the six starts. Uh, TJ Shook has nine starts for them, 3.76 ERA. Uh, with a 3.1 record, 3-1 record. And so it has kind of been a Johnny Holstaff approach. They have really struggled. They've got starts up and down the order. Daniel Lloyd has started eight games for them with an ERA of 8.28. Dylan Harvey has started five games with a 9.00 ERA. Uh, so we're going to see an assortment of pitchers, but this is not the Gamecock team of old. This is a team that has a lot of pride. They're going to come out here and they're going to bring their best effort. But this is a team, when you look at them on paper and you begin to think, okay, if Mississippi State plays close, even close, to their potential, State should win this series handily and possibly sweep. And so that's what we're working towards. Uh, we really want to end the season on a high note and then and really just kind of take care of business, right? Because there's been so many times we've had opportunities like this to kind of play our way into some major things and we find a way to choke and then make the road that much more difficult for ourselves down the stretch. And so... That's what that's what's at stake right now. Last night, trap game, we handled it. Now we have the, the, the day-to-day, rest up, we'll have practice, and we'll come out tomorrow ready to go. Not a lot of time to kind of sit around and get loose, but one of the things I thought was really cool, and I'll share this with you because I think it's important. We're not in class right now, so school is over. And uh, so I was having breakfast this morning at the Starville Cafe, a little kind of a late breakfast, and I uh, get to Starville Cafe, and uh, running Jake Mangum, then I see Justin Foscue, Rowdy Jordan. Your baseball team got together and had breakfast together this morning. Then, then I see Coach Crystal Monis walking out. They're all in the back room there, uh, you know, having breakfast. And so, it's just one of those things that, that kind of was kind of by happenstance that I was there. But I began to think to myself, I don't know that I would rather than be anywhere else, heading down the home stretch than being together, hanging out, building bonds, don't have any studying to worry about, don't have any projects to do, don't have any papers to write. Right now, it's all about Mississippi State baseball. And rather than being tired of each other and being scattered around or whatever, there's your baseball team all swole-eyed this morning. And I'm sure they you know, I'm sure they enjoy sleeping late when there's not much going on because we ask a lot out of them as student-athletes. But there they are together having breakfast. 
when they should be ready to be away from each other. But they're not. And one of the things that I shared last night, I won't get into the player's name. I don't want to, I don't, it could be any of them. But one of the things that I was told last night, and I kind of shared this with some of the parents, is I said, one of the things that, that impresses me about this team is that they're all such fans of each other. Like everybody on the team was rooting for Jake Mangum. Everybody rushes out of the dugout when Justin Fosky hits a home run. There just doesn't seem to be a lot of me in this team. And speaking with, uh, with a couple of players, they kind of jumped aboard there, especially one in particular, and said, you know, that is absolutely the case, and that this is the best group of teammates that he's ever had in his life, including travel ball, high school ball, and now college. This is the best team, the closest team, the, the most well-rounded team, the team with the deepest bonds. And when, it's amazing what can be accomplished when everybody is working towards the same end, where it's not about me, do I need to get my innings or my ABs or whatever. It's like, you know what, the Bulldogs need to win. It's as simple as that. And I think that is the true measure of this team. Everybody's talented at this level, especially in this league, everybody. We're a little more talented than most. But one of the things that brings you back from a 7 nothing first is a belief in one another. One of the things that brings you back after you get swept by Arkansas is a belief in one another, a belief that you're part of something bigger than yourself. And that's what Mississippi State baseball is. And so we'll be back on Friday, and we'll be talking about what's, what happened on Thursday night, and we'll go ahead and preview the rest of the weekend. We'll kind of take an inventory of where we are in the standings because hopefully we can get some help along the way, right? I mean, it's it's still a mathematical possibility that State could win the SEC. It's not a probability, though. We're not expecting that because we're going to need Kentucky to sweep Vanderbilt. Nick Mingeon, please, 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 I'll never ask you for anything else. I don't expect that to happen. But, you know, if, if A&M can take a game or two from Arkansas, then maybe we get a share of the West. But we're playing for a bigger prize, and that's our first-ever national championship. And this team is capable of of winning a national championship. It is as simple as that. Now it's a matter of going and doing it and executing. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way where we make more friends and enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.